The following guided meditation was given at Common Ground Meditation Center in Minneapolis, Minnesota. It's good to see everybody who made it back. Did anybody notice some resistance? Right? Because it's it's a real insight. I don't know if some of you are weren't able to make it last week, but I mentioned at the very end of our time that come next Tuesday, today, that you might have been thinking, oh yeah, learning how to be more mindful in my life is the ticket for me, but when push comes to shove, when it's time to get in the car or get on the bike and get yourself, oh, I don't think so, right? And it's so impactful for the mind then in that moment, a moment of mindfulness to realize, oh, this is just resistance being known. So it's not about um, like, oh, I'm, I'm going to show resistance, who's boss? It's really much more of a willingness to feel what resistance feel li- feels like. It's, that's the alternative to being pushed around by the mind's resistance. I don't know anybody who doesn't have mental resistance in different places in their lives, right? But to, because now we're being prompted, because it's likely to happen to some of you next Tuesday, you know, it's like, seems like a good idea until it's time to put your coat on. And you see that mental resistance. And to be able to soften the body, soften the mind, and that very clear, powerful recognition, oh yeah, this is what mental resistance looks like, feels like. Well, can it be okay for me in this moment to relax with it, to open, to actually be curious? What happens if I bring mindful awareness to the experience of resistance? And then just see, because it might be that there's enough space, why space, for there to be a lot of resistance, but the mind not dominated or pushed around by it. And so then the mind, because it's been able to make peace with the resistance, it's not repressing it or pretending it's not there, and then it does what seems, appears to be skillful without being that choice being skewed by the mental pain of resistance. And that turns out to be really handy (laughs) as a human being not to have to avoid what we're resistant to because we resist doing a lot of things that are skillful. We don't want to do it, but they're actually good for everyone concerned. So, glad you made it back. I mentioned last week that I'd take a few moments, excuse me, and talk about sitting posture. I'll start by just mentioning a few things about those of you who are sitting on the floor. And uh, a lot of you know this, but there are just some postures that work for most folks. One of the easier cross-leg versions is just to have one ankle in front of the other. Either one will do. Or another relatively easy cross-leg position is to cross where your knees are up a little bit because your ankles are crossing. And because the knees are up, It's nice to have them making some kind of contact. So you could roll a towel or fold a cushion like that under your knees. You could even do one under both knees, you know, or even if it needs to be a little higher, so that you have a triangular base, right, instead of just being on your tiny little sitz bones. 
you've got a wider base that pre, uh, brings in some stability. Then the posture, or rather the spine, comes out of that base, and then the head sits on top of the uh, spine, balanced, so that we're not requiring a lot of muscular effort to keep the head in place, right? If it's in balance, it doesn't take muscular effort. Nose usually in line with the belly button, ears over the shoulders, hands some symmetrical way. Some of you will have more flexibility in your hips, and you can do positions, cross-leg positions that create a more um, solid base because you're sort of locking it in. So this is called the quarter lotus where you have your top of the foot on your calf. And the half lotus, you'd bring the top of the foot on top of your thigh. And I won't do the full lotus, but I'd be taking this left foot and placing it right here. And you're really locked in with the half lotus and even more so with the full lotus. But it's not about flexibility in your knees. It's all about rotation in your hip, a little bit with your ankle. So either your body has it or it doesn't. And this isn't really the place to develop that kind of hip flexibility. You know, do some yoga, do some mindful stretching, Pilates or whatever. But when you're sitting, find a posture that works for the body you have, not the body you want to have, right? That's really important. Because that comfort, that stability, really supports the the practice we're doing. Now, some people want to be on the floor, but they won't have that much hip flexibility. So you can do a kneeling, and you can even use one of these cushions like this, and you just put it upright. There's any number of ways. I have a bench here that I'll show you how to use because we have a bunch of them in the closet so you can next week or even later today grab one and experiment with it. But this is good because it doesn't take hip flexibility to sit in this way. You do have some pressure on your knees. That uh, won't work for everybody depending you know, if you've had knee injuries or sensitivity. And you can have your knees far apart or close together. And then if you use a bench instead of a cushion, and you just have to get the height that's right for you, but the benches are they're slightly different each one, but this is one that I use from time to time. And you'll notice with all the sitting on the floor postures, if, you're, if you have my orientation, your pelvis is tilted this way. Now, if you're facing me, of course, the back end is higher, front end of your pelvis is lower, and that helps the knees make contact. Whether you're kneeling, you can't maybe see, but this bench is tilted like this, right? So whether you're cross-legged or kneeling, to have that. And even, especially over time, those of you in chairs, it's even nice in a chair to have the seat of the chair tilted this way. Now, mostly, like the more comfortable chairs, it's more tilted this way, where it's encouraging us to lean back and fall asleep, right? And usually kitchen chairs are a little better because they're flat. And then if you want to spend some money, you can get yourself a chair for cello players. I don't know if you've ever seen them, but they're actually, they're a little bit higher and they're tilted just right. And generally, if you watch a cello player, they sit in the front and that tilt in the seat of the chair kind of really helps that spine, head, and you can wean yourself off of the back of the chair that way. Now, because our chairs aren't that way, you can just get a little cushion that props the back of your seat up a little bit. I mean, even 
rolling a towel or and then just put it at the very back so that a little bit of your seat is getting support from the cushion and that will tilt your pelvis a little bit if you're sitting in a chair and generally when you're sitting in a chair we don't when you're meditating like when you're listening to the talk you can sit any way you'd like of course but when you're meditating you might try having your knees at a right angle it just creates a more grounded feeling when you're sitting in a chair so if you're a really tall person you might need to elevate your seat by putting a couple cushions down or a blanket down on the seat so you're sitting up a little higher and if you're a short person you might need to elevate the floor by putting a couple blankets or cushions on the floor and then you have your flat feet on the cushion so that it's somewhat a 90-degree angle in your knees there. And then, again, just like when you're sitting on the floor, hands, any symmetrical place that feels comfortable for you will work. And, uh, you know, so initially use the back of the chair, of course. But like at home, once you kind of find your chair, you might, if you can, you know, if you've got a big enough apartment space or whatever, you might have a chair in a particular corner of one room that's uncluttered that's just for your meditation or if you're sitting on the floor you might have a cushion or whatever you like you don't need these uh, flat cushions are called zabutons you could just fold a blanket that works pretty well or a yoga mat Um, and you can and that way that chair or that cushion represents your practice so every time you see it you're reminded and For some of you, you might even want to have an altar or just buy a window that looks at a tree or something that when your mind, when your body's there, it has a calming, stabilizing, uh, uplifting quality for you. That's the whole purpose. And it's really individual. Like what actually, when you're there, will support the intention of settling opening, feeling safe enough to be awake, what will help you? Candle. So just ask yourself, well, what do I have that might be good? Don't have a stack of bills in front of you, right? Or anything that might evoke a lot of mental activity. That could be somewhere else in the house. And then then it sort of... uh, is there for you each time you pass. It's kind of, how about now, honey? It's like asking you. <laughs> you know, you avoided sitting in the morning, and you come home, and how about now? And you say, no, not now. How about later? <laughs> and it's, it's really nice. It's sort of a voice of your conscience, conscience. And you can really keep it neat and uncluttered, that little corner or wherever you're going to do your practice. Because... It's like in an outward way, you're um, respecting and you're deepening the value you have. The practice represents this value that we're growing, deepening, to be awake. This value we have for the heart being clear and balanced, broad and deep, really connecting with my life. I mean, I'm guessing, uh, at least intellectually, we do value those qualities. And so much of our culture and, you know, even our home life 
it really is activating other values, like being frenetic or being reactive in different ways. And so this kind of reminder is really important. In a way, common ground as a building and a community and institution, it sits, you know, in this neighborhood of Minneapolis as a monument to this value of turning inward, learning about the nature of the mind so that we can engage our life with more wisdom and compassion. That's the whole point. And so we do, you know, it's not easy with, you know, a lot of volunteer labor and a very small paid staff. But, you know, we do our best to create a place that has that vibe. So in each of us in our little way, we do that in our homes too. It really helps. And like if there have been impactful books that have inspired you about your awareness practice, then you might like keep them close by that area. You might have a little bookcase or a little, you know, table that you have a few of your books that have been really supporting your practice, then keep them close at hand. Any questions about posture? A lot of it, it will be specific, so you might come up afterward, but just the general questions about posture before we do our meditation tonight. Great, so let's go ahead and get started. Feel free to stretch out, so once you settle in, you'll be relatively comfortable. Get what you need. We still have time. Got a cushion here if anybody needs it. Take the time to listen to the body, cultivating an upright and a relaxed posture for the meditation time. And while we're waiting for people to get settled, there's a really nice ritual I think I mentioned last week. You can do it for a few breaths, or you can even, if you've had a stressful day, if you're needing more of a gross assistance in settling down, just doing a more conscious, deep breathing. It doesn't have to be complicated. You're just taking your time to slowly Fill the lungs, feeling all the different sensations as you do that. And then very slowly, easily emptying the lungs, taking as much time as you comfortably can. And do that a few times, as if you have all the time in the world. And as if this is the most important thing, just to slowly and easily fill and then empty the lungs. Nothing else really matters. And really be curious if a little bit more air can be comfortably brought in as you're breathing in. And when you're breathing out, just be curious if a little bit more air can be exhaled without straining. 
And let's do one more of those long, deep breaths. allowing the breathing to continue on on its own. It's so nice that the body knows how to breathe and we don't have to consciously control or manage it. So we're going to take a minute or two and simply open the hearing as we did last week. We're not trying to hear. We're noticing that hearing is already happening and we're resting in this experience of hearing. So then in this way, the effort is to remember that hearing is happening, that hearing is being known. And can we sustain that simple efforting, hearing is being known? It doesn't matter what the hearing, the sounds are. say this is a practice or a training in intimacy, being intimate in this case with hearing and sustaining that intimacy, learning how that's done. And as you get some momentum Notice those two qualities I mentioned last week, alertness and relaxation. Hearing is being known. And notice, if you can, how relaxing supports this quality of alertness, clarity. And how being alert 
can support relaxation. Because when we're alert, we'll notice if we're trying too hard. We'll notice if we're getting tight. same way we've been listening, hearing, choose to be interested, sensitive to the whole body sitting now. It's like a great ocean of sensations here in the body coming and going. Some might be pleasant, some might be unpleasant. And of course, a lot of the sensations now in the body are probably neutral. They don't stand out as being either pleasant or unpleasant. But we're training the mind to be interested, to be alert, and just allowing the sensations in the body to be the way they are. Alert and relaxed. And really practice opening to the totality, the entirety of the body. Nothing is left out. Breathing and sensitive, open to the whole body. While breathing out, again, we've been reminded to be open, to sense the whole body just as it is. And see if you can sustain that interest in being intimate with sensation through that duration of a simple in-breath and then through the duration of a simple, easy out-breath. Don't try to control, no need to control the breathing, just ordinary breaths are fine, whatever that's like for you now. Breathing in sensitive to the whole body, feeling things as they are. Breathing out sensitive to the whole body, just allowing the sensations to be. Be really patient and forgiving each time the mind wanders or gets caught up in something. Eventually you'll notice that the mind has lost the thread of whole body awareness, or more specifically the sensations of breathing in and breathing out. 
And that's okay. Just acknowledge, oh yeah, thinking mind is like this. The underlying feeling is like this right now. Feels like this in the heart. Can this be okay that it's like this in this moment? And just come back and begin again. Feel the breath coming in and let that be the prompt to be aware of the whole body as it actually is right now. The sitting body is like this. And then while breathing out again, take the cue. See if you can sustain this simple presence with the sensations of the whole body just as they are. willing to put everything else down simply by letting it fall into the background and bringing into the foreground the simple experience of breathing in and being sensitive, being aware of the whole body sitting as it actually is. And breathing out, feeling the breath and the whole body sitting just as it is. And you might even notice qualities of calm and inner joy and ease of the heart, stillness and peace arising at times. So when those wholesome inner qualities show up, then just be aware as you're breathing in that calm or that joy or that peace. And as you're breathing out and feeling the body, notice that peace or whatever wholesome quality that might be there at times. So in the same way that we make room for distractions and irritation and reactivity, we also make room, we're also accepting of the wholesome qualities that show up.
it really helps the concentration to hold the body still. But of course, there might be times when the unpleasant sensations in the body are just too much to remain still with, to to remain relaxed with. So when you get to that point when you can't just accept the intensity of the sensations you're feeling in the back or the leg or whatever. Then in a mindful way, with full awareness, just quietly adjust the body, whatever it needs. Stretch the limb out, or you can even quietly come to a standing posture and stand for several minutes to help alleviate (coughs) whatever pain's built up. But keep the continuity of present moment awareness going as best you can. Remember, we don't turn the thinking mind, the planning mind, the worrying mind. We don't turn it into a problem. Because as soon as it's recognized, we're already being mindful. Oh yeah, thinking is happening. It feels like this now in the body and mind, like this. 
And with that attitude, you'll notice that thinking ceases on its own. And in that relative quiet, be aware of the body sitting, feel the life, energy, the sensations of the body, breathing in, sensitive to the whole body just as it is, while breathing out, sensitive and open to the body just as it is. We come back into the basic training, sustaining this whole body awareness, noticing what interrupts this continuity of whole body awareness. And being on the lookout for those wholesome qualities of calm, of joy, ease and peace that might arise at some point and be aware as you're breathing in that there's some calm or there's some joy, lightness of the heart. So we're going to continue in silence for about 10 more minutes.
Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.